Amen. If you got a destiny, can I hear you say amen? Come on. Now, you guys can't let the youth outdo you guys today. You know that, right? So I want to hear an amen. We have almost uh, 40 youth at a youth camp, and I can tell today we're missing them because the energy is a little bit low. So I want you to shake your neighbor up and say, you better bring it today. Come on, you better bring it today. And it's not only just the youth, it's the youth leaders. So I want to see y'all be radical today, okay? I, I want y'all to say amen when you hear the preaching is good. I want you to put smiles on your faces. I don't need you to act childish. I just want you to be excited. Amen? All right, good to have you guys here. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Today we're going to talk about marked and sealed in the Holy Spirit being in Christ. This is our series in Him. We're going through the whole book of Ephesians. i got to get to this quickly today. If you've missed any of it, check it out on the app. It's all there for your viewing pleasure. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every what? Spiritual blessing in Christ. Remember that word spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. Thank you. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That is the sermon series, In Him. We are in Christ today, and if we're in Christ, we're in God. In love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Somebody say sonship. Now, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. This term applies to you. You have been adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. How many have God's grace in their life today? How many have forgiveness of sins? Amen. In accordance with the riches of God's grace, verse 8, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. So there is an end to this. This world will not keep going on as it is. It will come to an end to bring unity to how many things? Come on, somebody say all things. Thank you to bring all, unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's what we're waiting for. Now, verse 11, in him you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan, who works out everything into conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 13 is our passage today. Let's read it on the count of three. One, two, three. And you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Today's message is marked and sealed. This is exciting right now. We talked about the gospel the last two weeks. Today we are talking about being marked and sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14 is the last verse of this passage, y'all, and we only got two more sermons in this passage, and then we move on to Paul's prayer. So you have learned from this passage already 12 sermons, 12 sermons. Well, today will be your 12th. Well, technically it's your 13th because I did two on 
on gospel. But this passage, I hope, has come alive to you. And really, as the grand finale today, this is, this is going to tie it all together, the Holy Spirit, because the last verse is what the Holy Spirit's going to do in and through you. But verse 13 sets up the last verse. Are you tracking with me? Because look at how it goes. There's a comma right there. Are you guys with me? There's a comma. You all see the comma right there? So it says, the promised Holy Spirit, comma, who is the deposit guaranteeing the inheritance to come? And that's the next message is a guaranteed inheritance who are God's possession right there, okay? So it's coming right to the end, to the praise of his glory. Here are the 14 things that we have gone through. Like I said, we went through two lessons on the gospel. Today we're marked and sealed in the Holy Spirit. Now only two lessons left. And so today I want to get into this because it's exciting. We've got to get this heavy revy today. And it's no dink that today we released a new song that has Adam and I had wrote, mostly Adam, but it came to me at an altar call that said, rivers flow through me. I got that at an altar call singing out over the congregation, okay? And then we released that bad boy today. It's the first time we've ever sung it in church, and today is all about the Holy Spirit. So are y'all about ready to get in the Holy Spirit today? Are y'all about ready to go deep? Come on, somebody say go deep. Thank you. So let me give you this definition quickly because it's not complicated, but I want you to have the foundation. So when we get into the, the deep waters of the Holy Spirit, you can track with us. The word that we uh, translate marked and sealed is actually just one Greek word, and some translations just summarize it as marked or sealed. The NIV kind of takes that word and stretches it out to be marked and sealed to give you a little bit more of what's going on in that word picture. This is actually describing a word picture, something that happens. And what this word means in the Greek is to be certified and protected from opening until the proper time. So when you are sealed, you are certified and protected from being opened until the proper time. And so when we look at being sealed, we're talking about the reference of the Holy Spirit sealing the believer until the time of the resurrection. Somebody say the resurrection. So if we're looking at the modern or, or the ancient example, rather, and we're trying to understand it in modern times, you know, of course, they didn't have Facebook. They're not sending messages to each other that way. And this is basically the way they would send messages is by scrolls, and the seal is the privacy setting. Think of the seal as saying this is private, and at the same time, it's authentic. So if you got a scroll and it was already opened, you know somebody read your mail. Come on. And y'all be hacking each other on Facebook all the time, I see, finding each other's stuff on there. And so you got to be careful with that. But someone could go on Facebook and find your stuff. If they did that in the ancient times, depending on who was sending that letter to you, if somebody opened that, they could die. That, that was like a big-time problem, a, a crime, to open up someone's letter that did not belong to you. And even to this day, it's not just a any old kind of misdemeanor. If you mess with someone somebody's mail, that's a federal offense. Y'all get that even in modern times. That's a federal offense to mess with the mailbox, okay? And so here we've got the illustration that Paul is giving us that we are marked and sealed 
in him, now we got to get that revy of who in him is, in Christ. In Christ, we are marked and sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, by the promised Holy Spirit. So to understand the book of Ephesians, talking about the promised Holy Spirit, we're going to have to go back to Jesus' teachings when he promised the Holy Spirit. Look at when it got outpoured to understand what Paul is saying is happening in the Holy Spirit. So you got to know the Bible goes in order. It's a a chronological order to how things are going. Ephesians is after the time of Jesus. These are now Christians hearing the teachings of Jesus. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. This is after Pentecost. So when Paul says you have been sealed, marked by the promised Holy Spirit, we need to know what that means. But I want you to look at this uh, picture a little bit because his words were meant to draw out this picture. It's a word picture. The idea of the Christian and it's his, his or her relationship with the Holy Spirit is one of intimacy, one of authentic experience. We don't base our Christian walk just on experience, but we do have experiences, and the Holy Spirit authenticates them, rather, and says, these are true experiences of God. Now, I notice, because I sit in the back office, oftentimes worshiping privately and, and just getting the notes ready for you, before I come out and preach, and I can tell when the atmosphere here is charged, and when God is really moving among the people, and then I can tell when it's and I feel, and this is not about numbers because I can worship to a guitar with two or three people in my house and ah, go to the seventh level of heaven. Are you listening? Some of you all today were a little womp, womp. And maybe that's because you rely upon the teenagers and the youth leaders to make noise in church. I don't know. But here's the deal. Some of you have an Old Testament mentality. In other words, you would fit perfectly into the Old Testament. And, and the idea of the Old Testament was God is always out there somewhere. And so I've got to go to where God is if I want God. And if it's been a bad day, I'm going to go to the temple where God is. And I'm going to go with my hands in my pocket. And I'm not really going to want to sing songs at the temple because I had a bad day. And maybe, you know, the priest will do something for me today. You know, he'll set on fire some animal and I'll smell lechon. Not lechon, that's pork. I'll smell, uh, I'll smell uh, aracheta. I'll smell the food. Oh, just uh, that was worth it, me coming to the temple today, smelling the sacrifices, uh, you know. And, and that's how a lot of you literally were in this service. Like, like you just, you just want to come to a temple and have somebody sing a song like a priest for you and do some religious thing and then walk right out of here just as busted as disgust, and disgusted as you were before. But that's not at all the new covenant. The new covenant isn't that God is out there. The new covenant is God is in here. The new covenant is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that means I am encountering God everywhere I go. So if this is a reflection of some of your walks with God, I feel sorry for you. I really do. I mean, if this is as good as it gets for you, God have mercy. You need to find out that there's something more. I mean, I'm just being really honest with you. You know, I didn't give up my life to do ministry for what some of you think it's about. You need to take a taste of what I have on the inside. You need to have a taste of the Holy Spirit. 
And some of you who come and you want to be motivated by the crowd and all of that, you're just as guilty as all the other people are because the crowd shouldn't motivate you. It's an audience of one. That's why when Jesus said, when two or three of you get together, I'm there. I'm out. He said, I am there. He didn't say, I am kind of there. He said, I am there. I am in the midst of you. I would rather be with two or three disciples than to be with a thousand wishy-washy people. I mean, just ask yourself this question. Who would you rather be helicopter dropped into to go fight ISIS, uh, a thousand babies that are three years old and under pooping their pants, or two Marines? What would you want to be dropped in to fight ISIS with two or three Marines with you or a thousand babies, right? So that's where you have to decide, I'm going to spiritually grow up. Those of you who are saved, you're going to have the right mentality. Take out the stinking thinking of some old covenant workspace religion. Get it out of your mind that I am somehow closer to God than you are because I went to Bible college. Just because I went to cemetery, I mean seminary, does not mean I'm closer to God than you are. The Bible says the promised Holy Spirit is your seal. He has marked you. So if you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, you have an authentic relationship with God. And that is a deposit guaranteeing the things to come. That should get you excited. Heaven should be a place that you want to go. For those who don't love God and love the worship of God, heaven would be held to them. Because they don't want to be around a holy God. They don't want to be around the holy presence of the Lord. Imagine this. How could Satan fall? Satan was perfect. So some of you say, well, we're not perfect. If I was perfect, I wouldn't make a bad decision. Satan was perfect. Some of you think, well, if I could see God, I would never reject him. Satan was in the presence of God. Why did Satan reject God? It's because for him to worship someone other than himself was not what he wanted. He wanted to worship himself. And he didn't just leave by himself. He convinced a third of the angels to come with him, deceiving them that self-worship would be something pleasurable and enjoyable. And then he tempted and deceived man to become their own God. And here we are now, almost 6,000 years later, dealing with the same kind of lie, that self-worship, that these things will satisfy us. And then you'll say to yourself, well, I'll come to church and maybe the pastor will talk me out of self-worship for a little bit. Or maybe he'll ask me to come up to another level with them or the band, and then I'll believe in God a little bit more because I keep getting closer and closer to God. You've got this whole thing wrong. For the born-again Christian, you're as close to God as you're ever going to be. You're as close to God as you're ever going to be. I just want to show you that in the Bible. How many heavenly places are there? Are there ten heavenly places? I mean, I know I say the seventh level of heaven, but that's just a worldly way to joke around, you know? There's only really what the Bible considers three places where the Bible calls heaven. He calls heaven in the earth because they had a limited vocabulary in the Hebrew language to describe what we would call as heaven. So sometimes heaven refers to the atmosphere and the stars. They would call that the heavens, and even we still do that today. 
day. Then the heavens are the places where angels and demons dwell and where God dwells in his glorious throne. Now, we know that God's glorious throne is above them, but the idea is heaven belongs to God. The earth has been given to man, but we have given the earth back over to the devil, and Jesus had to come back and give it back to us. But now look at what it says here. It says that you are blessed in where? The heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And then if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, it says that you are seated in heavenly realms. Where are you seated right now, saints? You are seated in heavenly realms. Look at right here, Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 5, made us alive with Christ. Even we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved, verse 6. And God has raised us with Christ and what? Seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Well, I know I'm not in the clouds. I know I'm not in the place where angels and demons ascend and descend. I'm where Jesus is. Where is Jesus in the heavenly realms? Next to the Father, at the highest place. Are you listening? So that's where I am right now. That's where you are right now. Now you say, well, but pastor, my body is here. But yes, you're more than a body. You're a spirit. Now you may say, well, how is my spirit there? Oh, that's because God is not just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Book. He is God, the Father, the Son, and what? The Holy Spirit. And where is the Holy Spirit right now? He's in you. Point to where the Holy Spirit is. Come on, point to where the Holy Spirit is. He's in you. And what has he done in you? He has sealed you. He has put his mark upon you. He has literally seated you with God. Think of how close you are to God if the Holy Spirit is inside of you right now. Are you far distant away from God? Do you need to go on some treasure chest quest right now to go find God? Do you need to be like Batman and go find your sensei somewhere up in the Himalayan mountains and be taught secret karate moves? Is that what you need? Do you need that secret flower that he got? You remember the little flower? Is that what you need, you poor little thing? You got to come to church and find you a blessing. You need a pastor to convince you that you're loved because you don't know if you're loved anymore. Come on, let's just be real. The Bible says you are marked. You are sealed in him. The two-part function of the sealing is, number one, to authenticate that the letter came from who you're expecting the letter to be from. If you are an important person and they've sent you a letter from, a king has sent you a letter, then you're going to see the king's seal on there. If you're in debt, this is going to be the seal of the bank coming to look for you. Come on, somebody. If you hear illegally, it's the seal of La Migra. Where are your papers? Just, just put up with me today. I'm in a fun, I'm in a fun mood. Thank you. But, uh, you know, if you're in debt, whatever, here's your seal. There it is. You know who it's from. It authenticates where the letter is from. And number two, it protects and sets a privacy setting upon that document. So are we a document? No, we're a spirit, a spiritual soul. What has been stamped upon us? The Holy Spirit. What is he authenticating? That we have been born again. 
You look at your body and you say, well, it looked the same yesterday with the day I was a sinner. You know, I got saved November 5th, 1995. I looked at my body. It looked exactly like it did November 4th, 1995. And so I might have doubted a little bit. And then I had the same old brain that I had the day before. And that brain wanted to go right back to the sin that it was doing because the brain is an organ of instinct just like anything else. It operates on instinct. It's going to have patterns that it follows. It's going to live by the instinct of smell and sight and all of these things. And the brain wanted to go right back there. My flesh wanted to go right back to sin. But the Holy Spirit authenticated inside of me and said, you're not your brain. You're not the temptation you're facing. You're not even your flesh. The Holy Spirit says you're new. How many believe you were made a new creation when you were born again? The Bible says those who are in Christ are made new creations. New creations. Made a new kind of creature. The creature comes from the creator. We were made once in God's beautiful, perfect image, the Imago Dei in Latin. We were made to reflect the autonomous will of God. We were made to reflect the love of God. We were made to reflect Him in our self-identity and in our loving behavior, our loving relationship with Him. But when we sinned, we brought our will under sin. We became in bondage to our own will and desire. And then we took love and we traded it for selfishness, self-gain, selfish ambition. How many know that's true? But when you're born again, you're born into the image of God. Is death your Savior or is Jesus your Savior? I, I put a quote on Facebook this week that some people believe what Charles Spurgeon said, that those when they die become saints. And that's not true. It's only the saints that when they die get to go in the presence of God. I don't become a saint when I die. I am either a saint now or I'll never be a saint. And so saints are made by the Holy Spirit. He is not the impure spirit. What kind of spirit is he? He is the Holy Spirit. So what kind of creature are you? An impure creature or a what? A holy creature. You are a holy creation of God. You are a holy person if you've been born again. If you're not, then you're unholy. Does everybody get that? The Holy Spirit authenticates my confession of faith that I am who God said I am and that I can do what God said I can do. And then it sets that privacy setting. And we read about these scrolls in the Bible, and they're all throughout the Bible. Scrolls, as a matter of fact, Revelation has seven scrolls. Uh, I mean, a seal with uh, a scroll with seven seals. And we see that when those seals are open, judgment comes. But in the book of Revelation, it says no one can open those seals except who? Y'all don't read your Bible. <laughs> who can open up those seven seals? Jesus is the only one. The lamb that was slain can open up those seals. And so what does that teach us? God opens up the seal that the Holy Spirit puts upon us to give us resurrection. Think of it like this. Your spirit is sealed right now inside this body until Christ opens it and reveals it in a new resurrected body. Did Jesus raise from the dead as Casper the ghost? Did he just float right out of there, have that little tail of Casper the ghost, have his little hands waving in the air, and he was just telling everybody, here I am, here I am. 
No, Jesus physically raised from the dead, but his physical body was not a body like Adam and Eve's. His physical body, and now we know this is possible, could go through matter. His body could be in one place and then beam me up, Scotty, to another place. We know all of this is possible now with particle physics. And his body was able to do that, not through some new age meditation, but by the code of heaven. Just as if I coded into a video game that this character can go in different places and have these powers, the father coded the resurrected body to be able to do this. The metaphysical power of God subjects the physical world to its code. And the Bible says you're sealed for that day. You are sealed for the day you get a body coded to be like Jesus. So does the coded body of Jesus get a sinful spirit in there? Do you come in with a dark trench coat on and a a sinister mustache smoking your little cigar or cigarette? Going into your little spiritual body as a dirty, rotten thing? No, you go into the coded body of glory, the Christ-like body with a Christ-like soul. That's what you're sealed for right now. So we've got to get out of Old Testament mentality that I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner living in a dirty, rotten world. Things aren't going to go my way, so I might as well get used to being miserable, and I'll call that Christianity. I'll call that suffering for God. And then whenever I come into a church or where there's holy people around, I'll get a little drop of heaven, a little trickle of heaven, a little bless me, me, pixie dust will be sprinkled over me. And sometimes we do think of the Holy Spirit like Tinkerbell, don't we? Like he is a she flapping around just putting little pixie dust on you. The Holy Spirit is a he as you're going to learn. And he is the one who split the Red Sea. He is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He is the one that binds demons in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is so powerful. He is the fire by day, the cloud by night. Or the fire by night, the cloud by day. He is the dove that comes upon Jesus and empowers him to do all that he does. And then he's the fire that comes upon us in the day of Pentecost to empower the disciples to do all that they do. Here are some of the things that I want you to think about. Paul references seals in his writings. Ephesians 4.30 goes on. You know, we're in the book of Ephesians. We'll get to this verse. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not upset the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The day where you get the resurrected body is what you're waiting for. So now until then, don't act dumb. Don't grieve him. Don't have the Holy Spirit watch you look at pornography, in other words, or yell at your wife and kids, or curse out somebody in traffic. If you're born again and you live like that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved to watch you sin. Now, he loves you. He'll convict you. How many have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit more than your conscience? In my conscience, before I was a Christian, I was A-OK with cussing you out. Trust me. The very next day, there was something on the inside of that conscience that wouldn't let me be vulgar anymore. I'm just being honest. How many of you got saved? How many of you had the Holy Spirit come move in? Some of you are like, Pastor, I still cuss, and I don't have a problem with it. You probably don't have the Holy Spirit then. (laughs) 
I want to be honest with you. I would rather you be a liar than the Bible be a liar today. I would rather have it be found out that you're telling a little fib about you being saved than for the Bible to be telling a fib about saved people not being convicted. Now, I can testify I've been convicted, and I know many of you can. I've had people come to us confessing things that we never asked. We're not priests. We didn't ask it to be confessed, but they had to get it off their chest because the Holy Spirit put it in their heart. One man was convicted. Uh, he had committed crimes, and he had did all these things, and he had gotten away with it. And he said, I have got to go and turn myself in. And he turned himself in because the Holy Spirit convicted him. And he led to the Lord a young man named David Wood who has become one of the greatest preachers of our time opposing um, Islam and teaching against the, the Islamic faith. David Wood was won to the Lord by a man coming to serve his time. When I first got saved, I was so convicted of my sin. I would repent all the time because I knew how precious the Holy Spirit was inside of me. I would rather have you look at me to be weak than for me to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us can go to the extreme and fall into a trap of the devil called condemnation, where he always tells us we're never good enough, where he always tells us we're never forgiven. Well, don't believe that. That's a devil's lie. The Holy Spirit tells you you're forgiven. Amen? Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1:20 and onward another book of Paul to the Corinthian people. He says for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Why do we say amen? Because we believe the things of God. Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say yes. Thank you. That's why we say amen in church when we hear the truth being spoken. Verse 21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who makes us stand firm in Christ? Our self-determination? Are you the one that does it? Are you so strong? Are you just a good little self-help person? You just help yourself all the time? No, the Bible says God makes us stand. So if I keep seeing you stumbling and falling and saying, I've fallen and I can't get up, whose fault is that? That's your fault because you're trusting in yourself. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord and he shall direct your paths. If you ever lean on your own understanding, you're going to fall. You lean on God, he'll lift you up every time. Amen. Now, this is what God does. He makes us stand firm in Christ, and he has anointed us. That means the same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that came upon us. It says he has anointed us. He has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit where? In the temple? In that beautiful-looking cathedral? Where did he put his spirit? In our hearts as a what? A deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? Heaven on earth. It's not even just about dying and being a disembodied spirit in heaven. We are only there for a temporary time. But we are to be on earth with a resurrected body for eternal, for time without end. The deposit is the Holy Spirit saying, if you think this is good, wait till you see it face to face with Jesus and the body I have prepared for you. The kingdom of God comes in now inwardly with righteousness, peace, and joy. And the Holy Spirit says it's about ready to get even better because the kingdom of God is going to bring righteousness, peace, and joy to everyone here. How many want that? Even if it means your neighbor goes into the bottomless pit, you better start preaching. Hello, somebody. Because every time we say the kingdom of God come, we mean the kingdom of the devil leave. 
So that means if your neighbor hasn't repented and we say, Lord, as it is in heaven, it let it on earth as it is in heaven, and your neighbor hasn't repented, what happened to the devil in heaven when he rebelled? He got kicked out. Your neighbor going to get kicked out unless they repent. You'll get the keys to their house. Amen. I'm just being honest with you. I'm being 100% honest with you. Steve, uh, um, Mark Zuckerberg will hand me the keys to Facebook when he gets, when the judgment comes. Are you listening? You all get scared when I talk like this. You think I'm militant, like I'm going to do jihad, like I'm going to go over there and make him do it. No, no. He will come right to me. If he has not been destroyed in the lake, if he has not been destroyed in the judgments to come, let's read Revelation, all the judgments, about a third of the world will be destroyed. If he is still alive at that time, he will hand over Facebook to a godly person. He'll say, it's your turn now. It's yours. And we'll say, thank you, Mark. We'll allow you to still work here. You can help out. You can code some stuff. You know, you can get me some coffee. I'm being honest with you. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you right now. All the wealthy, the Bible says, will serve the righteous. All of the wicked will serve the righteous. All, every single one of them. And if they don't repent in that part of the kingdom, because there'll be a thousand-year reign before God destroys once again the earth and rebuilds it, but there will be a thousand-year period where the sons and daughters of God will rule and reign with him. Do you think that's any coincidence that every time the disciples got a chance to talk to Jesus, they were talking about ruling and reigning with him? Do you know why? Because there's eight times more scriptures in the Old Testament talking about Jesus' second coming than there are about his first coming. There's about 300 scriptures that prepared the Jewish people for Jesus' first coming. There's over 2,400 preparing us for the second coming. And what is a deposit? What is the promise that that day is coming? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit right here inside of me that makes tears come down my eyes will make sinners bow their knee before Christ and confess him as Lord and hand over their wealth. The Bible says the wealth of the nations are stored up for the righteous. Serve God, my friends. You will remember these days. I'm telling you, you may be a Christian working next to Mark Zuckerberg as our janitor if you have not served God. You will be a son and daughter. You will be marked with the seal of God. They will know that you are a son or daughter. You have your kingdom rulership, but you will be working alongside of them, the Bible says. There is not going to be a socialist kingdom to come, my friends. We will be awarded authority according to the life that we've lived on this earth. And don't think to yourself, oh, it's just the pastors that are going to get to be the bosses. No, because the Bible says our judgment is according to the standard of what he gave us. The man who was given talents, you ever remember the parable of the talents? in the Bible. What's that talking about? Think about it. A rich man gives his stewards talents of gold, literally bags of gold in modern day money. Hundreds of millions of dollars were placed into their hand. Read the story. And then he comes, he goes on a long journey and then he comes back. And then what does he do? He rewards them according to what they did. The one who had five and multiplied, he's blessed because he multiplied five. The one that had two or three and multiplied, blessed the same exact way, right? Two or three, blessed same exact way as the one with five. But the one who had one and buried it, what happens? It's taken from him, and then he's cast out into hell, the Bible says. Come on, somebody say, help us, Lord. Now let's go to the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 14, 15 and onward. I want to go to the promise of the Holy Spirit because that's what Paul says. You have been sealed and marked by the promised Holy Spirit. Let's learn about the third person of the Trinity today. Are you ready? Amen. John 14, 15. These are the teachings of Jesus. If you love me, you can do whatever you want and just ask me to forgive you because that's how we roll. Is that what it says? 
If you love me, come to church every now and then, do the sign of the cross, and you'll be all right. Is that what it says? If you love me, take care of your kids, uh, send them to a great college, and be a Martha Stewart because that gets you in. Is that what it says? If you love me, do what? Keep my commands. How many of them? All of them. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Listen to the word another in the Greek, Elion, and it means another of the same kind. Listen here to the status of the Holy Spirit. He is another like the Father and the Son. You just saw the Trinity. I, Jesus talking, will ask the Father, and he will send you another Elion of the same kind to be your parakletos, your helper, your advocate, your defender, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Listen to the difference of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is saying to these men, you know that the Holy Spirit has been living with you. He's been around you boys for quite some time. You went out to the temple. You could see his signs and wonders. You got around some priests. They would see the Holy Spirit do great things. But now it's going to be more than the God out there. He'll now be in here. He lives with you and will be what now? In you. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. Oh, man, you mean the mark of the Holy Spirit upon my life, sealing me, is also the seal of adoption? You mean every time I doubt whether or not I'm a king's kids, king's kid, it's actually because I doubt the revelation of who the Holy Spirit is? But on the flip side, pastor, are you telling me that every time I acknowledge the Holy Spirit and understand what he's doing is the key to understanding my adoption to sonship? Yes. Your understanding of the Holy Spirit is directly correlated to your understanding of being a son or daughter of the king. If you don't believe you are a son or daughter of the king, seated in heavenly places right now with Papa, you don't believe you're adopted, and you don't believe the Holy Spirit's in you, and that's why you struggle the way you do. I know you think I'm being mean to you, but I'm not. I'm trying to get you free, because if the truth's not setting you free, it's probably making you mad, amen? And I would rather you get set free than get mad today. Listen to me. Jesus promised I wouldn't leave you as an orphan. Muslims are orphans in their religions, and they don't even have a father. Allah says he's a father to no one. Buddhists are orphans in their religion, hoping to get a zap called nirvana from the electricity-like God they serve, a, a God of force instead of a God of a person. Hindus are orphans left to beg among the pantheon of their gods for some little blessing in karma so that they live out their millions of lifetimes as ants and trees and humans. They can somehow make it. That's not the religion of Christianity. The religion of Christianity crosses out religious duty for salvation and opens the door to relationship. And says, I won't treat you as just a mere creature of mine. 
Listen to what Psalm 23 says about the sheep and the shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. But how does it end? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life forever. What sheep do you know that gets led into the house? What God do you know that lets sinners come into his kingdom, sit with him in heavenly places by grace through faith alone? You know not of no story like that, my friends. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, Jesus, how are you coming? Before long, the world will not see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, what day is that? You will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Could that be the revelation foundation that Paul has in Ephesians of in him? Did he get it from Jesus? This is the teaching of the Holy Spirit. That day is the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit is poured out. In Acts chapter 1, it's called the promise of the Father. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's the promised Holy Spirit. It's not meant to be confusing. It's meant to be revelatory for anyone who wants to seek it out and find it. Seek me and you shall find me. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will receive. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is here. I haven't left you as orphans. I've come to be in you as I'm in my Father. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Wait for that gift that my Father promised to remind ourselves of our passage today, Ephesians 1, verse 13. Wait for that gift that my Father has promised. And it says here, you have received the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Is the one who loves me the one who has a statue of my mother in their front yard? Is that what it says? Come on, help me preach today. Don't you get shy now when I get sassy. Is the one who loves Jesus the one with the statue of his mother in the front yard? Is the one who loves Jesus the one with the 24-karat gold cross of him being white and emaciated on a cross like this? Come on, somebody. Is that the one who really loves him? The one who really loves me is the one who keeps my commands. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. Keep on going. Then Judas Iscariot said, but Lord, why, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? See, he doesn't understand. He wants judgment to come now. He wants the kingdom to come now. And that, that, that way of rulership, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Who's coming to make their home inside your heart today? The Father and the Son. We always say, invite Jesus in your heart as if the Father's up there lonely all by himself somewhere. No, 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 my friend. Jesus on this earth wasn't separated from his Father. You think he's separated now? He said, we will come and make our home with them. Papa's in here too. <laughs> Y'all ain't ready for that. Come on, some of you are. This is good preaching. This will set you free from ever being alone. Papa's on the inside. He's right there. When you pray our Father, you don't have to go to the top of the Himalayan mountains to get closer to him. The moment you say our Father, he says, yes, son. He says, yes, daughter. The moment you say, our Father, my Father in heaven, yes, yes, Joe, I'm here, I'm listening. And the moment we cry out, Jesus, Jesus, yes, I'm here. And the moment we say, Holy Spirit, I need you, Holy Spirit says, I'm here. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the blessed Trinity are inside of the believer today. God is not in separate pieces, my friends. He doesn't say, just take a little piece of me. He's not the potato man today, okay? You don't get pieces of God. If you feel like you're getting pieces of God, you're doing the wrong thing, amen? Get the fullness of God dwelling on the inside of you. We will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So do I have to listen to somebody on the streets for 30 minutes convince me of how much they love Jesus after they've told me they're sleeping with their girlfriend? I don't have to listen to you for 30 minutes convince me of how many Sunday school classes you went to, how many visions and dreams you had as a little kid, how often you read your Bible. Listen to me, Jack. You're living with your girlfriend, sleeping together with them. You don't love Jesus. I don't care what you're doing in the worldly sense of religion to Jesus. He said, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. How good of a friend do you think you could be with the KKK? I mean, I'm just talking in the natural. The Bible says love our enemies, but I'm just saying, I mean, how much could you really be close to them? Would you date one? Come on, somebody. Why do we think living in a sin is what is, uh, you know, grace is going to cover that intentional sin? Grace is to cover what we confess, and when we confess Jesus as the Lord of our life, we can never out the grace of God. But when we are living for sin and continual sin, there is not enough grace to ever forgive us because now we've come into judgment. The Bible says uh, in, in Hebrews 10, 26, that if we knowingly, let me just go to that scripture because I got it in my head, but I can't put it out right now. Hebrews 10, 26, if we willingly continue in sin after having received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. What happens if we keep deliberately sinning after we've received that knowledge of the truth. What remains for us? How many sacrifices are left for you? None. Don't deliberately keep on sinning. Amen? Hate sin. Here's the thing. Some of you get really scared when I say, what if I sin? Well, do you hate it when you do it? You're safe. You're good, right? Because here's the deal. I'm not afraid of me cheating on my wife because I love her so much. See, it's the love that motivates the obedience, amen? Stay in love with Jesus, and obedience comes natural. These words you hear of, me, of my own, uh, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Verse 25, all this I have spoken while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, there's the Trinity again, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. How much will the Holy Spirit remind you of what Jesus said? How many of y'all have been reminded of things Jesus said, but you hadn't even read it in the Bible yet? How many of you as new believers started reading stuff in the Bible and said, that sounds familiar? Boy, I've heard that before. I named this church based on what God told me in prayer, and I didn't even know where it came from until I started reading parts of Jeremiah, New Jerusalem. This will be a city of praise. Literally says in the Bible, this will be a city of praise. I didn't even know that was in there. I felt embarrassed. I felt like if somebody would ask me, why did you name the church Metro Praise? I would have been like, it's a cool name, you know? They have the club, the Metro over here. You know, you can tell they think it's cool. I had our church name before that, by the way, but, you know, the Metro, and we're praising God, Metro Praise. But I look in the Bible years later. Honestly, I'm telling you the truth. Years later. And it says, in Jeremiah, I will build a city, and it will be called a city of praise, a renowned, a, a place of joy. People will come to this city. Come on up here, Adam. Help me close it out today. How many want to experience more of the Holy Spirit? Amen. He'll teach you all things. He'll teach you everything you need to know. Watch this. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. What kind of peace does he give? Meditational vegan yoga peace? He gives you the peace of the Holy Spirit. 
Aren't you happy today you don't have to do the crooked chicken to have peace? Why does some yoga work? I'm not talking about demonic stuff, but why does some yoga work? Because it stretches your body, helps your nerves, and all of those things get the blood flowing and, you know, uh, serotonin and these things in the brain. Okay, it works, but does it give you peace in your soul? No. It doesn't give you peace in your soul. You can get peace to your body. I can give you peace right now with morphine. Peace. Be at peace, you know? How many know that can happen? Just knock you out. You remember with B.A. and the A-team, he was afraid of flying. They would just give him some drugs, knock him out, and send him on his way, right? But that does, that's not real peace. Real peace is doing what you're afraid of and knowing God is with you. That's a whole nother sermon. You all ain't ready for that. I do not give you as the world gives you. See, he doesn't give you that fake stuff. He gives you the stuff that says, even though I'm afraid in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and staff, they are with me. You comfort me. Come on. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why are we, should, should we never be afraid? The Holy Spirit's with us. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to for the Father, the Spirit of truth, he goes out from the Father. He'll testify about me. And you must also testify about me. How many want to testify about Jesus? How many want others coming into the kingdom? Because you've been with me from the beginning. And now that's why Paul says, we don't get a baby Holy Spirit. We get the same Holy Spirit that we do. Look at it again in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. The verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. No, it is verse 13, excuse me. It says, and you also were included in Christ. You also. You know why he has to put there also? Because he said right here, we were the first to do it, to put our hope in Christ. But now you are also included. Somebody say, I'm in Jesus. Come on, you're in Jesus just as much as Peter was in Jesus. Paul was in Jesus. He'll come and prove the world what it means to be wrong about sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Sin because people don't believe in me. About righteousness because I go to the Father where they can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. Come on, somebody say, preach it, Jesus. Jesus was just like any old preacher. Time always worked against his message. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit got out what we needed. Amen? But Jesus had to work within time. And you can just see he's going, guys, my time's coming up. My three and a half years that the Father's assigned me is coming up. I'm getting everything out that I can. But I got a lot more I want to talk to you about. And this preacher's got a lot more I want to talk to you about. But I'm going to trust the Jesus of this Bible with the Holy Spirit. I want to trust you with the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about in this Bible because look at what he said. I have much more to say to you because how many would like Jesus to have hung around a little bit more? You would like to hear some of those things. He says, more than you can bear now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So whatever more I can't say right now that you need to hear, go get it from the Holy Spirit. Don't wait for Conway Twitty up here. Don't wait for... Um, I'm saying some old school names. Don't wait for Bon Jovi up here or Rico Iglesias. What's his name? Enrique Iglesias. Don't for, wait for this guy to sing it to you. You go home and get you some. Go ask the Holy Spirit. Espirito Santo, speak to me in el nombre de Jesus. Amen. Holy Spirit, tell me what I need to know. Help me treat my wife right. Help me go to my job right. Help me pick the right career as a young person. Help me love my enemy. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Guide me into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but he'll speak what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he has and makes known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Now, how many know that makes Jesus God right there? I mean, even if you didn't believe John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, how many know this just settles it right here? Could any creature 
other than the divine say this, all that God has is mine? What would you do if somebody on your job said, all that God has is mine? What would you say to them? You would say, you need a mental hospital. You are crazy. All that God has is yours. Come on, you have nothing. Right? Now watch this. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and will make it known to you. That's homoousius. The substance of God is the substance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. And if the Spirit is going to be able to take it and manifest it, he has to be fully God because he has to be all-knowing to know everything that the the Father and the Son know. He has to be all-powerful to do all the powerful things the Father and the Son do. And he has to be everywhere if he's going to be wherever the Father and the Son are. That's why you see in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it shows you the persons of God. It says the Spirit was over the deep and the Father spoke and it was done. And then he comes to man and that's why it now goes into the plural in Genesis chapter 2. Let us make man in our image. And Jesus gave us that name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that remind us of our triune God. Can I hear an amen? Would you stand to your feet and bless the Lord today? Come on. It's all about Jesus coming through the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son coming through the Holy Spirit. Band, would you come please with the altar workers? Let us in today very succinctly and give you a chance to go after what you're hungry for today. If you're hungry for more food and you got to go, we're going to let you go. No condo bondo. But if you are hungry for more of the Spirit, if you're thirsting for more of the Lord, I want you to identify with who you are right now. You have God on the inside of you. And as much as you could ever desire, he will give you. As much wisdom as you will ever need, he will give you. As much power as you need, he will give you. Let's pray right now. Father, we ask you, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to mark and seal every person's life here and to fill us with that power and to flow through us to the world around us. In the mighty name of Jesus. A few moments before we leave right now can change your life. If you have not been marked and sealed, ask the Lord to save you. Ask the Lord to save you. Say, Jesus, save me. Send the Holy Spirit inside of me. Make me a new creation. If you have already been born again, just raise up your hands and say, flow through me right now, Holy Spirit. Mas Espirito Santo, more of your Holy Spirit, more fuego, more power. I receive it now. I receive it now. The power that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son are here now. We are in the presence of God. We are seated in heavenly places. We have a guarantee of the great things to come. There may be things in this world that don't work out the way we plan it, but we have a guarantee of things to come. If you believe it, one more time, can I hear you say amen? Let's bless the Lord as we praise Him right now. Slap your neighbor high five and say, get to know the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you at Life Groups. If you want prayer, come on up. If you need prayer and want to encounter the Holy Spirit or worship with us. Otherwise, thank you for coming. Have a great week. Spirit lives in me. Come on. Rivers flow through me.
your rivers flow How many believe the rivers of the Holy Spirit are here? Your rivers Yes, yes, they're flowing through us today. Jesus. It's changing the world around me. Jesus, flow through me. Now let's sing it by faith. I am never dry. I am never empty. I'm never empty. I'm never dry. How many believe that today? It's impossible to be dry if you're standing in a river. It's impossible to be dry in the ocean. You today are in the ocean of God. The river is flowing through you today. Come on. Speak it out. Declare it. I am never empty. I am never dry. Never empty. I'm never dry. Jesus. You my soul. You satisfy. Let it flow through me. I'm never empty. I'm never dry. Let it flow through. You show my soul. You satisfy. I'm never empty. I'm never empty. I'm never dry. Let it flow through. You show my soul. Satisfy. Let it flow through. I'm never empty. I'm never dry. Just those who are praying, continue to pray. But the rest of you, if you can, listen to this word today I have for the after party. Put yourself in the place of Paul and Silas, whipped and beaten in a jail cell. At that point, wouldn't you have every reason to feel alone? Wouldn't you have every reason to feel that God is not with you, that maybe it's not working out? Maybe you read the Bible wrong, something went drastically wrong. Their kingdom should have come by now. The the Roman soldiers should be defeated, not beating us. That would be the moment, right? If there was ever a time in your life getting beaten and arrested for Jesus, it's probably the one time that God would give you permission to have a pity patty party. It's okay, guys. Go ahead. Let it out. I know you're busted and disgusted right now. But no, what does the Bible say? Come on. In the midnight hour, when their spirits and souls were feeling the most oppression of the devil, when their body was whipped and beaten and aching, they began to praise the Lord. They began to lift up their voices. They began to declare the Word of God. 
Now here's the thing. We don't know what song that they sang in that jail cell. But I can almost guarantee you it was found in the book of Psalms somewhere because those were the hymns of the early church. I don't know which psalm they would have picked that day. But it says they were praising God, so we know it wasn't what they call an imprecatory psalm. It wasn't a psalm of sadness, a psalm of judgment, a psalm of repentance. It was a psalm that gave them hope, and it gave them joy. I wonder if that psalm was like Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will save you from the fowler's snare. I wonder if it was that psalm, or I wonder if it was that famous psalm that they had learned, Psalm 23, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Or I wonder if it was one of the psalms that God has glorified in creation, like Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. I wonder if they started to have a heavenly imagination. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on the water. Or I wonder if it was one of the psalms that just get their hands clapping and the instruments playing Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His holy sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Now listen to me, friends. I don't care what you're going through today. Don't you let anything take your praise. We're going to turn up the music. Just in one note, pick a note. Pick the root note of this key, please. One note on the count of three. And we're just going to play it loud. And I want everybody here to praise God, either with a song, a dance, a shout. I don't care what you got to do after party. We are going to shout today so that they can hear us at the youth camp in Starved Rock. Come on. Because we came to praise God. We came not here to tell God how big our problems are. We didn't come here to lift up all of our problems. We came here to tell our problems how big our God is. We came here to lift up the name of Jesus that is above everything. The name of Jesus that's above cancer. The name of Jesus that's above depression. The name of Jesus that's above corruption and murder. The name of Jesus that's above sin. One, two, three. Let's praise him. Praise him. forsaken. We are not left here by ourselves. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters. Our King is with us. Our King is here. Hallelujah. 
Jesus. From the world's perspective, from the world's perspective, we are the worst kinds of fools. We call them fools for clapping when a guy takes a bat and hits the ball. But they'll say back to us, well, at least there's a bat and ball and a player to look at. Y'all out your minds. Y'all clapping, looking at nothing. You're clapping, looking. You're just in a room. There's nobody in that room but you guys. Most of you got your eyes closed and people close their eyes when they play make-believe. That's all you're doing. That's what the world says, what the Bible says. The fool has said in their heart, there is no God. We're going to praise God one more time and we're going to give him a praise of faith. Listen to me. Because some of you have gotten past that place or left that place of faith and you're doubting God or you're doubting his power because now all you see is cancer. All you see is your low bank account. All you see is your family turning their backs on you. But I want to tell you, just like how you ain't crazy to close your eyes and praise him now because you know that it can't come, a world can't come from nothing. From nothing, nothing comes. And we believe the Bible that says this earth didn't come from what was seen but what was invisible made all that was visible I want you to have that same faith to go against every visible thing of darkness you see everything that laughs at you everything that tells you you're not going to make it everything that tells you that God's not real everything that says well maybe this will just be the way it's always going to be on the count of three in the face of your enemy in the face of unbelief in the face of despair I want you to give God some praise. One, two, three. Come on, praise Him by faith for your victory, for your calling. Come on, for your job, for your family. Come on, for your marriage. Come on, for your job and career. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is Lord over this city. Jesus is Lord over this nation. Jesus is Lord over the Middle East. Jesus is Lord over every sickness and disease. Jesus is Lord over every sinner. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. before we go I want you to put your hand over your belly where the Bible says our spirit and soul reside our inner man where we reside in this thing we call the body and I want the band to sing in the pace of worship our first song because I want us to put our our hands over our belly and believe that first song those words I will not be moved I will not be shaken play that first song slowly set this rhythm for Adam right now come on put up the words for that first song for those who don't know it With your hand over your belly right now, I want you to believe this. That you won't be moved. You won't be shaken. Where's that part of the song? It's a different song? Then get that song up. Get the words. What's the name of the song for the guys in the back? Never Let Me Down. down. Sorry, brothers. That's the song that's in my heart right now. Never let me down. I won't be moved. I won't be shaken. My God is here. 
You got to believe that, saints. We are not playing make-believe. Sing this out as a worship song. I will not fear. I won't be shaken. Come on, with your hand over your belly. My God is here. Where is he? Come on. In him I'm strong. Despite my weakness. He is my song. Come on, sister. He's your song. You've got a song in you today. One more time. I will not fear. I will not fear. I won't be shaken, devil. My God is here. My God is here. And I'm not forsaken. In him I'm strong. Despite my weakness. He is my soul. One more time, then we'll sing the chorus. One more time, believe it. I will not fear. My God is here in the hospital room. He's here in the bankruptcy court. He's here on these violent streets. In him I'm strong. Oh, despite my weakness. He is my soul. I am. You never, never let me down. down Jesus never let me down you never let me down to lift me up every time we're seated in heavenly places today never let me down I soar on the wings of the eagles one more time you never let me down you never never let me down you never let me down Yes, Lord, on eagles' wings. Yes, Lord, on eagles' wings. Let it get in your spirit. On eagles' wings. On eagles' Come on, let the Lord give Chris a song of the Spirit now. Come on, put the mic a little bit closer, brother, and sing for us. Come on. It's time for you to soar on eagles' wings. Come on.
God is doing something new right now. God is doing something new on the inside of you. God is doing something new on the inside of you. Before we close out this after party, I want you to get that in your spirit. God is doing something new on the inside of you. He is giving us the revelation of the transformation that he's already done. He's letting you know you're not a poor orphan anymore. You're an adopted son or daughter. He's letting you know that you're no longer going to dwell in the land of barely get along. You're no longer going to live in the I don't have enough strength village anymore. You're going to come into a new town. Do you know that they name towns after the silliest things? I used to live in New Orleans, and one of the small towns outside of New Orleans was called West We Go. Do you know why it was called West We Go? Because it was west of the city. So as they went west, they said, what should we name the town? Well, we'll just name it West We Go. And they say it fast, West We Go, West We Go. That's what the name is, West We Go. How many want to name the name of your village, Glory We Go? Come on. How many want to name the town you live in, Glory We Stay? <laughs> Heavenly places. I live on a place, my, my street, from my street, is called Shoe Factory. You got to go down Shoe Factory to get to my other street called Toastmaster. Come on, we need the Glory Factory with Jesus Master. Amen? Let's give it up for Jesus as we get ready for the second service. That was just the after party. If you just joined us, you guys can start the countdown. We'll get ready for part two here shortly. Thank you. Just start the countdown, brother. We ready to rock and roll.